0: Here are some words of wisdom from Mr. Know-It-All. Oh, great. What else could go wrong today? You're mocking me, aren't you? By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am GamerDude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today, we're going back to one of my favorite topics, movies. I was thinking this week about movies and specifically movies that don't hold up or haven't held up over the years. There's a lot of reasons that movies don't hold up. It's because the references are dated or the comedy is old or they were just bad movies. This came to me this week as I was scrolling through one of those innumerable cable channels we have that run movies from the 80s and the 90s. And I read the titles of these movies and I go, I, I never heard of that movie. What the hell is this movie? And so there's always dozens and dozens of movies that are just bad movies. And I'm not talking about those bad movies. A lot of the bad movies were bad from the beginning, so they're never going to hold up. But what I'm talking about today is some big name movies, popular movies, that were huge when they came out. Mostly in the 80s and the 90s, because that's when I was really getting into the movies. But these movies were big when they came out, but 30, 40 years later, they just don't hold up. So I wanted to talk about some of those today. As usual with a movie episode, I always try to throw in some tropes. So we're going to have some tropes at the end of the episode as well. And as long as we're talking about things that don't hold up, There are some classic one-liners for movies that because of age, because of our perspective, because of our frames of reference, I don't think they hold up anymore either. So I've got some of those for you as well. But first up, let's talk movies. Now, I've talked about this before, but it bears repeating because of what we're going to talk about today. You can't really apply today's thinking and today's thought process and today's sensibilities and try to use it as a standard for judging a previous time period. I'm not talking two years ago. I'm talking 20 years ago, 30 years ago. We think differently now about certain things and about certain topics than we used to. When you see a movie from another time, from another era, you have to do it with an understanding of the feeling of the way life was back then. Because otherwise, a lot of the references are going to be lost on you, and you're not really going to appreciate what the movie was trying to do and what the movie was trying to say. Now, that just goes to the message of the movie. I'm not talking about the underlying story necessarily. A good story will hold up. The pacing may be something you're not used to. You may not be comfortable with a slow-boil, Alfred Hitchcock-like thriller. But if the story is good, you can get through what might otherwise be awkward pacing. But if you don't understand the circumstances under which a movie was made, and the world in which it was made, you won't necessarily appreciate it. And that's why the movies don't stand up. The first three movies I wanted to talk about are drama-slash-action movies from the 80s and the 90s. They're good movies, I just don't think they hold up. The last seven movies that I'm going to talk about are comedies, and we'll talk about comedies a little more specifically in a minute. Because while you have to view all movies with an understanding of the time in which they're made, that's especially so about comedies. But we'll get to that. The first movie I wanted to mention that I don't think holds up is The Net from 1995. This is a Sandra Bullock movie. Came out right after she was in the movie Speed. This goes back to 1995 with this newfangled thing that everybody was talking about called the Internet. I know it's weird. This is not even 30 years ago. But in 1995, the Internet, or the Net as they called it then, was something new. It was a strange, scary place. Computers were all tethered together sharing information. There was this huge danger to it and everybody was at risk. With all the computers tied together and all the information being shared, the computers were going to become an essential part of everybody's life. Our lives were going to be on the net where anybody could find out that information. And in 1995, this was a scary thing. Yeah, let's look and see how that's turned out. All of our lives are on the net. We still call it that, right? It's called the net. It's the interwebs. We live our lives online now, and all of our information is shared amongst all of the corporations we ever do business with. And we're all fine with it. I'm not saying it's a good thing, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Quite honestly, I think it is a bad thing, but that's the world we live in now. In 1995, it was a nightmare scenario. In 2022, it's called Tuesday. So that's why the net doesn't hold up. It painted a nightmare scenario that came into being, and we don't care. Another 90s movie that doesn't really hold up, at least in my opinion, The Matrix. Now, I didn't see The Matrix when it first came out. I didn't see it until years later, and maybe that's one of the reasons why I don't think it holds up. I mean, there's several reasons why I don't think it holds up. First of all, the clothes. I know some people think they're cool outfits. I'm not one of them. The music is very 90s. The feel is like a 90s world, forecasting what the future is going to look like. I mean, it tells a decent enough story... Talks about a world where computers are a threat to us, and they are. And corporations are a threat to us, and they are. And we're all little workers working in a system where we're just merely a cog in the wheel. The rich get richer, the poor get poorer. That's all true. And here we are in 2022, and we seem fine with it. I'm not saying I'm fine with it. I'm just saying that the warning messages, the nightmare scenario painted by the Matrix came into existence, and we all shrug and go, yeah, okay. The corporations are keeping us in the dark about what's going on in the world. Okay. We don't seem to care. All of the horrible things, the horrible scenarios, the horrible possibilities that are warned about in The Matrix, they came to be. And we don't care. And that's why I don't think The Matrix holds up. The special effects are fine for 1999. The bullet time special effects all kind of cool. But as a story and a movie, I don't think The Matrix holds up. Another one that doesn't hold up, Top Gun from 1986 i know they just made the sequel i know the sequel did big bucks i know it was hugely popular i know top gun was hugely popular too and i loved top gun i mean looking back top gun is basically a giant commercial for the air force combined with a giant mtv music video that's really what top gun is i mean there's a little story in there there's cold war era politics permeating the film I mean, if you don't understand the tensions between Russia and the United States back in the 80s, you're not going to appreciate all there is to appreciate about Top Gun. Not that there's that much to appreciate anyway. I mean, it's a fine movie if you like watching planes fly fast, if you like watching young Tom Cruise. But you know what? You can pick up any of a number of the Rambo movies. You can pick up any number of Chuck Norris movies. You get that same Macho Rush, that militaristic feel. They all had that same kind of U.S. versus Russia mentality. Top Gun was just a little fancier with a little better music and Tom Cruise. So I don't think Top Gun holds up either. No matter how good the sequel was, which I haven't seen, Top Gun doesn't hold up. As I mentioned, I have some comedies I wanted to talk about too. I think comedies are even more difficult to have hold up over time than dramas, action movies, romances. Comedy is so often a product of its times... I mean, so much of what we find funny in a comedy is based on the shared experience of the audience. That shared experience is based on the world in which we live, the things we see every day, the politics we experience, the news we read, the events that take place. This is especially so if you're relying on pop culture references, like the Airplane movie. I mean, you could say Airplane arguably doesn't hold up as well as other comedies, which is true, because there are a lot of pop culture references in Airplane, but Airplane isn't on my list today, because I think there's enough in Airplane that withstands the ravages of time. Because time can be the biggest enemy of comedy movies there is. Once you don't get the references, then the movie isn't funny anymore. And that's the problem with comedy movies. And that's why there's more comedy movies on this list than action movies or dramas or even romantic movies. Honestly, I think romantic movies hold up the best because romance is timeless. People are falling in love all of the time. But comedy is already subjective. And when it's a product of its time, it's even harder to hold up over time. So one of the comedies that was huge when it came out, which I think just doesn't hold up at all, is The Blues Brothers. If you don't know, The Blues Brothers come from a skit on Saturday Night Live. Yes, Saturday Night Live back in the 70s created this musical act and they spun off into a movie that's 90 minutes long and a very long SNL skit. It has some decent music in it, a lot of covers of old songs, but if you don't know John Belushi, if you don't remember Dan Aykroyd from his SNL days, if you don't appreciate the origins of the Blues Brothers, then 90% of the humor in the Blues Brothers movie is lost on you. It was big when it came out. It had a big following. It spawned a sequel 20 years later, but it doesn't hold up. Another one that doesn't hold up, Revenge of the Nerds from 1984. There was a thing in the movies, the good guys against the bad guys, the nerds against the jocks, the underprivileged against the privileged. Revenge of the Nerds was one of these movies like that. Animal House was one of the first ones like this. Animal House still holds up. I mean, it's got some problems in it, but not like Revenge of the Nerds. I mean, Revenge of the Nerds has some particularly disturbing moments in it. Whether it's the part where Lewis pretends to be Stan so he can have sex with Betty. That's disturbing. The use of nude photos without the victim's consent. That's disturbing. That's all stuff that happens in Revenge of the Nerds. And if you haven't seen it in a while, if you go watch it, you're going to find yourself cringing and going, Oh, God, we thought this was funny? But that goes back to what I said at the beginning. In nineteen eighty four we didn't think that was funny. That was all acceptable behavior. That was all stuff that we just accepted. Nowadays, we realize mmm yeah, that was that was not cool. Fast Times at Ridgemont High is another eighties movie that just doesn't hold up. There's nothing specific in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, not like there is in Revenge of the Nerds. But the audience for Fast Times was a 1980s teen audience. The jokes apply to the sensibilities of a 1980s teen. Forty years later, those jokes just don't have any meaning. They're lost on so many people. That's why Fast Times just doesn't hold up. Another one that doesn't hold up, Weekend at Bernie's. I know that people love this movie, and I've never understood it. I saw it when it came out back in 1989, It was mildly amusing, but even then I thought it was kind of disturbing. I mean, carrying a dead guy around, pretending that he's still alive, taking advantage of the fact that he's dead, that's disturbing on a lot of different levels for me. It's just total disregard and total lack of respect for a dude who's died. I mean, I don't care who he is. That's a dead guy. To me, death, it's just not funny. But then even getting past that, from a practical standpoint, Carrying around a dead body, dressing him up, putting him on a boat. I mean, I know that I shouldn't be thinking so much. It's a comedy. But the body's going to decompose. Parts are going to start falling off. It's going to smell. I'm watching the movie and I'm going, how, how is, how is this happening? I know, I know. I shouldn't put that much thought into it. It's supposed to be a comedy. But it was just not funny at the time. Now watching it more than 30 years later, it's even less funny. Another one that suffers from its age is The Mask, from 1994. This is one of Jim Carrey's first big movies, and people loved this movie when it came out. And I thought it was fine. It was okay. I mean, Jim Carrey was always notorious for overacting and eating scenery in his early movies, and he really does in this movie. But the problem with Jim Carrey in this movie is because he overacts so much and eats scenery so much, it wears you out really quickly. The mask was a product of its time, 1994. Jim Carrey's thing was new and exciting and interesting and we hadn't seen anything like Jim Carrey before. But now it's old and dated and it just feels tired and wears you out just by watching it. If you watch The Mask, it'll be hard for you to get through it in one sitting. You're going to want to stop, pause, get a snack, take a break, maybe finish it tomorrow. It just doesn't hold up. Another one that doesn't hold up is The Naked Gun from 1988. I've talked about The Naked Gun before. it's spun off from a TV show, from the files of Police Squad. It was a TV show put out by the guys who did Airplane. And a lot of the jokes in The Naked Gun refer to pop culture things. I mean, there's the Queen Elizabeth stuff. And there's other topical references that are kind of lost with the ages. But the biggest problem with The Naked Gun is the cast. And one of the problems that I have on rewatching is recognizing that O.J. Simpson is in the movie. Now, back in the 80s, they were trying to make O.J. a movie star. O.J. was a former football player. He was a former broadcaster. And in the 80s, somebody in Hollywood, and O.J.'s agent, I'm sure, got it in their heads that O.J. could be an actor. He actually had a role in The Towering Inferno back in the 70s. He'd occasionally appear in TV shows. But he had a big role in The First Naked Gun and The Second Naked Gun. The problem with this, from today's perspective, is O.J. is also the chief suspect in a double homicide. And although he was acquitted, he will always bear the burden of that stigma. Rightly so, from all of the evidence, but we won't get into that. We can discuss that at another time. The problem with the Naked Gun movies is the stigma attached to O.J. hangs over them, at least for me. For somebody who didn't live through the O.J. trial, you're going to have a problem relating to the Naked Gun anyway. But carrying the burden of O.J.'s subsequent actions makes it a much harder thing to watch and a much harder thing to enjoy. And that's why I don't think it holds up. The last one on my list that doesn't hold up, and it pains me to say it because I think it's a great movie... But Blazing Saddles from 1974 is one of those movies that is truly a product of its time but truly is something that doesn't hold up because of the way that it presents its comedy. There are some really great parts about Blazing Saddles. There's some layers of comedy there, some brilliant satire, some parodies of the racial relations in this country. It's a fantastic spoof of westerns, which were still relatively big back in the 70s when this movie came out. But It uses problematic language, it uses the N-word liberally, it parodies and satirizes racism in such a way that it can be offensive and can be misunderstood very easily. It has rape jokes in it, it has jokes about race in there that often fall flat by today's standards and are quite frankly offensive, and a movie like Blazing Saddles could not be made the way it was made in 1974 today. For a 1974 movie, what it did, it did very well for the people and audiences of the 1970s. But looking at it through the eyes of somebody living in 2022, it's an uncomfortable movie to watch. That doesn't even get to the pacing of the movie, and this goes back to something I've said many, many times. The pacing of movies in the 70s, in the 60s, in the 50s, in the 40s, very, very different than the pacing of movies from the 1980s on. The pacing doesn't excuse the humor. As I said, the racist and misogynistic humor that's in Blazing Saddles just doesn't hold up and is presented in an uncomfortable and untenable way by today's standards. But when you slow that stuff down to a 1970s pace, it makes it even harder to watch. I mean, these days, we're used to slick edits and fast cuts. If a scene lasts longer than six seconds before there's a cut, that's a long scene. Back in the 70s, you had cuts that were 30, 40, 50 seconds long. And when you're going through humor that is, by today's standards, painful to endure, that makes it even harder to watch. And that's why I don't think Blazing Saddles holds up. So that's the list of movies that I think just don't hold up over time. I've got some tropes, but not specific tropes this time. I've got some genre tropes that we used to have a lot of, or that used to be featured in movies that have kind of disappeared over the years. In some respects, I think that's bad. But in some respects, I think it's probably good. For instance, in the 80s, I remember we had a lot of what I call swords and sorcery movies. You might hear swords and sandals. You might hear people talk about swords and sandals and sorcery. What I'm talking about is the movies like Conan the Barbarian, Conan the Destroyer, both Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, Red Sonja, which also had Arnold in it. Clash of the Titans, the original one from 1981. There was a movie called Beastmaster, Crawl, Hawk the Slayer, The Sword, and The Sorcerer. They all involved ancient type people going against evil wizards, evil sorcerers, evil churches. I mean, right there is eight movies that I could think of off the top of my head that were all big in the 80s. We don't have any swords and sorcery movies anymore. I mean, they remade Clash of the Titans. I haven't even seen that remake. I've just heard it's not as good as the original. I know they remade Conan. I haven't seen that. How do you remake Conan? Arnold is Conan. Now, I don't know if we'll ever get our swords and sorcery movies back, but if we ever do, I'd be happy to watch them. Just make them good. I mean, quite honestly, they're bad by design, I think. It's swords and sorcery. How good is it going to be? But they were entertaining. Every time Conan the Barbarian comes on, I watch it. It's a horrible movie, but it's watchable. It's endlessly watchable. Another trope that was in so many movies in the 80s, it's going to sound weird, but cocaine. Cocaine was everywhere in the 80s. Of course you had Scarface, probably the biggest cocaine movie there was. Do you remember Less Than Zero? Cocaine featured prominently in that. Lethal Weapon 1 and 2 featured cocaine. Tango and Cash was all about a cocaine plot. Pick any number of Chuck Norris or Charles Bronson movies, cocaine. Even in comedies, Three Men and a Baby had a cocaine subplot in it. Crocodile Dundee 2 had a cocaine subplot in it. Cocaine was everywhere. I'm glad it's not anymore. But yeah, cocaine was a big deal in movies in the 80s. Another thing we had a lot of in the movies, not only in the 80s, but even going back to the 60s, body swapping. Now, you can go back to the early Disney movies, The Shaggy Dog and The Shaggy DA, where a guy swaps bodies with a dog. But you have Freaky Friday. They made that in 1976 and remade it in 2003, I think it was. But in the 80s, they had vice versa and Like Father, Like Son, which are both movies involving dads swapping with their kids. The movie 18, again, involves a grandfather swapping bodies with his grandson. There was a movie called Dream a Little Dream. Jennifer Garner did one, 13 going on 30. Body swapping was big. Where are our body swapping movies? We don't have those anymore. Cemeteries were also big in so many movies for a while. I mean, Night of the Living Dead from 1968 starts in a cemetery. The Omen features a cemetery. Phantasm features a cemetery. Poltergeist, the house is built on a Native American burial ground. Pet cemetery, of course. Now we just have slashers. We have killers. We have sadistic clowns. Where's our cemetery movies, man? Lastly today, I have some movie lines that are big movie lines, probably familiar to you. But I don't think they hold up. I don't think they have the impact now that they had when they first came out. And I don't think they're going to hold up because of the kind of line that it is. There are certain lines from movies, you can't handle the truth, from A Few Good Men. I mean, that line is iconic and will stand up for the rest of whatever. It fits perfectly in the context of the movie. It's delivered well. We all know what it means. I'm walking here from Midnight Cowboy. We all get it. We all know that line. And that's going to hold up forever. Are you talking to me? From Taxi Driver. We all know that line, but there are some lines that were classic and that we still may recognize, but they're going to disappear. We're not going to hold them as dear to our hearts as those lines. Now the line As If from Clueless was huge back in the 1990s. As If. We're barely 30 years past that line and we hardly recognize it now. I remember it was everywhere and now it's nowhere. So that's the kind of Classic, iconic line that I'm talking about. It was big, but over time, it's lost its significance. The line, Houston, we have a problem, is from the movie Apollo 13. And you may still recognize that line. But for somebody who grew up in the space program, for somebody who heard the astronauts talking to Houston or to mission control all of the time, because they used to broadcast those missions all of the time on TV, the line, Houston, we have a problem, was chilling in the context of Apollo 13. Because if there was something like that that was broadcast, when we knew how tricky and how dangerous the space missions were, when that line is uttered in that movie, it sends shivers down your spine because you know it means there's a huge problem. But because we're so far removed from the Apollo missions, because we're so far removed from astronauts talking to Mission Control and talking to Houston, because we're so far removed from people being aware of what the space missions were like, that line doesn't have the same impact now that it did when the movie came out. Another line like that is the Here's Johnny line from The Shining. That's Jack Nicholson chasing his wife while he's in his crazed state. And that line is still chilling. But one of the things that made that line so chilling was the line Here's Johnny was the intro for Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show for 30 years. Every night when The Tonight Show started, Ed McMahon would go Here's Johnny and Johnny Carson would walk out. And it was a fun, upbeat, comedic kind of thing. So hearing it in the context of The Shining, with Jack Nicholson being the psychotic killer as he utters it, trying to crash through the bathroom door, that sent chills up your spine. To hear Nicholson go, Here's Johnny. Oh man, it was very impactful at the time. Even though I don't like that movie. That's still a great line and still iconic. But if you never saw The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, which has been off the air now for 30 years... You don't appreciate that line the way it was originally intended. Finally, the classic James Bond line, shaken, not stirred. That's how James Bond liked his martinis. James Bond would go up to the bar and order a martini shaken, not stirred. Which, by the way, is the wrong way to drink a martini if you're a purist. If you want a martini the best possible way, you actually want it stirred, not shaken. Because when you stir a martini, you get the liquor icy cold, But you don't break off chips of ice and dilute the liquor. You don't want diluted liquor if you're drinking a martini. Not if you're a purist. But how many people know that? I mean, we all know shaken, not stirred is James Bond's line. But the significance of the line and the importance of the line is lost because how many people drink martinis? How many people know you want it stirred, not shaken? And how many people remember what a martini is? So the impact of the line has been lost in the 60 years they've been making James Bond movies. It's still a great line, but the importance of it and the significance of it isn't appreciated anymore. So there you have it. Some movies that don't hold up, some tropes that are gone and maybe best forgotten, and also some movie lines for you that may or may not hold up for you the way they hold up for me. Yeah, there's lots of great movie lines out there that do hold up. But there are some that unless you experienced them or lived in the world from which they came, they don't have the same meaning. And that's why I wanted to share that context with you. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. As always, I appreciate your time and your support. And I appreciate you taking the time to listen to these episodes. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.